So hello and welcome to the Generation Gap Show here on Radio Verulam. Uh, I'm Clive Glover and each time I have a guest who is a younger person than me, generally a millennial. And this this time I've got a millennial who is uh, Honour. Hello, Honour. Hi Clive, how are you? I'm fine and how are you? I'm not too bad. I'm surviving, if not thriving. <laughs> okay. Now, Honor, um, you're obviously a professional in, in radio and podcasting, in fact, and we'll talk about that a bit later. Um, so I wanted to just ask you to start with, um, how did you sort of get into, I suppose, radio and podcasting? Because they are different things, though they're very similar in some ways. Um, so what was the thing that sort of started you off? Um, so I've got parents that are both in the media world, I suppose, and they so I kind of grew up around it and it seemed very normal to me and exciting and then my dad died when I was 15 and it just kind of spurred me on to really pursue a career that gives me passion and makes me happy and you know because it really was this thing that life is too short to get into a job that you don't really love um so he died in June and by about September I decided that radio was something I wanted to give a, like have a go at, see what all the fuss was about. So I joined Radio Verulam as a traffic and travel reporter. I was with you guys for two years and got to um, I got to co-host on the Drive Time show, which was really good fun. And uh, yeah, it kind of started from there. Radio Verulam really kick-started the passion. And yeah, it's just kind of snowballed. I did student radio. And then in lockdown, I started my own podcast and podcasting really came out of a uh, kind of just a, desi- a desire to to continue broadcasting and not having the means to do it by going into a studio and you're right podcasting is very different um I have two types of podcast and one's interviewing people which is slightly easier to do on a podcast format as we're demonstrating here and I do another one on new music which is kind of <laughs> it's basically just a radio show put into a podcast form but it was base. It's just basically filling my passion for broadcasting in a time when you can't do much else. Right. Well, yes, I know I've listened to both of your podcasts and I'm very impressed, I have to say, uh, oh, on the music, you. the music one. I'm not really obviously so much into new music as you clearly are. And that's that's probably one of the reflections of ages between us anyway. Um, <laughs> but I'm interested um, now the, the podcast that you are doing, uh, which is the um, travel a podcast uh, when, when did that sort of happen for you and um, how do you do that so the travel podcast came about uh, around June last year I just graduated from Nottingham Trent University and I'd put all my credentials on LinkedIn and this guy called Jed Brown who's the owner of Low Season Traveller this is the name of the travel company approached me and said that they were looking for a someone to present their podcast and he'd heard my demo which I'd put up on LinkedIn and asked if I wanted to join the team and yeah it's just been a bit of a passion project from there so it's a new company all about ethical travel and traveling during the low seasons so you know one thing that the pandemic made really clear is that travel and tourism is really dependent on high seasons you know you go to Greece in the summer but if you take that season away then these countries and these like tourism destinations are left in dire straits and people don't have enough money to make it through the low season months and what this company is doing and saying is what why why do you have to stick to the high seasons there's so much these countries have to offer in the low seasons and to better it they're cheaper people have more time for you and it's better for the environment. So, you know, it, 
it was kind of he asked me to join and I just thought this is an ethos I can really get behind and it involves interviewing people from all over the world from all different backgrounds from all different heritages like it's amazing I get to talk to these people and discover this destination and what it has to offer on the on the lower end of things in the seasons that aren't so busy. Right, that sounds fascinating. And of course, I suppose my immediate thought is that um, some people, when you go somewhere like Greece in the summer, that's really, really, really hot. And yeah. So presumably a month or two later into the autumn is actually still hot and lovely and and uh, perhaps not so hot for those. There's people like us in Britain who aren't really used to temperatures <laughs> over, over 30 degrees or whatever. Well, that's the thing. I did a podcast actually with a lovely woman called Maria from uh, from Athens and we did a whole podcast on going to Greece in the low seasons and you know they've got the marathon and you can go and take part so you know I'd never even considered well I've never considered running a marathon to be honest or walking a marathon in the UK let alone another country but actually there's something about the idea of maybe signing up a couple months in advance to walk around Greece in this massive event would be really spectacular and um, if you look at pictures of Greece in the low seasons it's so autumnal and the colours are just beautiful like if you like autumn in the UK it's like that on acid the reds and the oranges and it's just beautiful and it was something I hadn't really considered because all you think of really is beaches and cocktails isn't it but instead you can head to the mountains and apparently it's where all the locals like in the winter they'll go into the mountains and and ski and yeah it just looks incredible okay i mean obviously one of the things here on the generation gap is we compare um the sort of different views and attitudes of people of different ages and i guess thinking about holiday your idea of a holiday as you said the beach and cocktails maybe <laughs> slightly different to me and greece for me i mean obviously I, i've never actually been to greece proper i must admit um, but i mean obviously things like wandering around the the ancient history sites and so on would be interesting yeah i don't think i'd want to do those in the summer though so that would be actually an ideal thing to do yeah exactly off season yeah yeah and um there's a cemetery right near the oh i've gone blank what's the massive not the Colosseum. um the parthenon that's the one um there's a there's a nice apparently there's a cemetery right nearby and it's, it houses loads of famous you know greeks and you can walk around that and they say it's a lovely thing to do off season because one, it's not too hot and you can spend the day actually really taking it in and walking around and enjoying it. And yeah, they had a lot to say for, you know, enjoying Greece when it's not so hot. I think it allows you to take in a lot more. And Greece has so much to offer, you know, historically and culturally. OK, now, obviously, when you were offered this job, it was sort of in between the um, lockdowns because mm-hmm. it was last summer um presumably um the idea would normally have been to actually travel to these countries to do those interviews for your podcast is, is that is that right I mean, that's how it should be yeah yeah that was that was the kind of that was the promise uh I mean all things considered it was said we'd love to send you to these destinations and then you can record these podcasts with the guest in person and they really want to do a youtube series where you can actually show the destination because you can explain it as much as you want on a podcast but nothing beats seeing it in reality uh so there's still there's still the opportunity to do that we've just got to wait for the world to open up again and this has been a pretty good in between anyway but yeah that'll be exciting when that is allowed to happen Absolutely. That sounds like a bit of a dream job, I imagine. <laughs> yeah, it really does. Um, I kind of, when I got the 
when I got the job, I was really pinching myself. I was like, wow, uh, it goes to show what putting your stuff out on LinkedIn can do. <laughs> Absolutely. That's that's very good. OK, I mean, I think you're, you're, you are too young to remember this, but for um, a long time back in, I suppose, up to the 1980s, there was a, a programme just called Holiday on BBC One. And that used to be a really, really popular programme because... Um, although people were obviously by that time were used to travelling around a bit, it did sort of feature all the different destinations and so on. And the presenters had a great time being sent out to all these places around the world and staying in five-star hotels, of course, because they were pr- promoting it to all those British people. Yeah. Um, so I suppose that there is a gap in the market for that sort of thing still. I mean, obviously people do holiday-type things and any number of celebrities travelling around to places. Um, it's not quite the same. This used to really be featuring the sort of ordinary a holiday for a family and that sort of thing, which um, I don't think people concentrate on much these days. So yeah. I reckon you're in a you're in a good niche there. I reckon, yes, absolutely. yeah. We we like to think so, and we've seen the more we've pushed our content out, the the bigger the response has been. And you know, you go to lots of different traveling events where you talk to different companies and other businesses, and everybody wants a slice because I think businesses do really suffer in the low seasons. You know, when it's not peak tourist season. So if they get the chance to showcase what they have to offer out of these seasons and have the potential to make some sort of income, they're really like they're really willing to grab the chance. And I think what we're showcasing as well is the whole business is built on authenticity and getting to know people. Um, so instead of buying into like package holidays, it's about really getting in like immersed in the culture and the community and that's what we're trying to showcase so as well I think that's where we've got a bit of a niche as well because we do genuinely really care about the people that will be eventually hosting us and hopefully the people that listen as well and yeah we're just building genuine connections across the country and across the world it sounds fantastic well well good luck with all that and um, i'm sure um, i wish you all well when you get a chance to actually get on an aeroplane and fly off to one of those places <laughs> thank you very much yeah i look forward to it i can just now, i can just dream for now well absolutely um well you, you probably plotted it all already have you written down where you want to go first i have got a long list um i don't know where i want to go first i've got an interview lined up with a guy from thailand from northern thailand and he does tuk-tuk tours around the mountains and that looks pretty spectacular. So I'd be very keen to go and explore there. Well, that sounds interesting. Yes. Okay. Um, probably a bit scary going up mountains in a TikTok. A TikTok. A TikTok. <laughs> a TikTok. I know what you mean. It's one of those you things. Could, yeah, you could TikTok on a TikTok, but that's quite a that's quite a mouthful. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now the other thing I wanted to talk to you about because I I did follow this um, not in in the real time. I saw it later on your Instagram. Um, you did an amazing. Um, fundraising for charity thing last summer um, and when we were all just sort of still coming out of lockdown rubbing our eyes you were actually cycling all the way from John O'Groats to, La- to Land's End and uh, can you tell me about that? Yeah so it's something my family had planned to do a good oh I'm going to say a year and a half before we actually did the cycle last August and it'd been a massive grounding driving factor in lockdown for the majority of my family you know whether that was people trying to work out where we were going to stay and navigate how we would make this cycle work during a pandemic and to the riders that were training 
you know and I was never meant to do the cycle uh, I don't really like bikes <laughs> as weird as that sounds <laughs> I'd, I'd fallen off a bike quite badly when I was about 10 and I didn't really touch them again until last summer um, but my brother was meant to be doing it and we were of course raising money for our dad um, and a charity that he's linked with and my brother fell, uh, hurt himself and he broke his wrist, which meant he could no longer cycle. And we stood there and we went, oh, gosh, someone from the Morrison household has to represent dad and go and, you know, do it for dad. Um, so I was like, oh, man, OK, I guess that's me then, because my <laughs> mum was like, I ain't doing it. Uh, so I had three months to properly train. Uh, luckily, I'd started rowing at university the September before that. So... I had a base fitness to pull from and then I brought a 200 pound bike from B&Q. Like I didn't even own a bike and I just started cycling as much as I could. And I spent the whole time training going, I can pull out if it's too much. If it's too, if I get, to, if it gets to the day before and I don't want to do it, I can pull out. Like I was like, as long as I have a plan B, if I have a get out plan, I'll be okay. And uh, yeah, we we ended up cycling from John O'Groats to Land's End in 12 days. And it was honestly the most amazing experience I've ever had in my life. Um, I thought it would be, this is going to sound quite weird, but I thought it would be more mentally challenging than it was. Um, but we, and, and we had the worst weather, Clive. Like it was awful. We, do you remember Storm Francis and Storm Ellen? Oh, yes. We cycled straight through the middle of them. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and, like, we had mornings where we'd get up at five o'clock in the morning and we'd be, like, following the forecast so, like, really heavily, just looking at the forecast going, are we going to make it? Is this going to be possible? We'd get up super early to try and avoid the storms. And, you know, you're cycling in 40-mile-an-hour winds. And when you're on a flimsy little road bike, that's enough to push you off or you know I've had times where I was cycling and we were leaning I felt like I was leaning 90 degrees into the wind just to try and stay upright uh, we went over the seven bridge and they'd shut it to traffic because of the wind strength and lorries couldn't pass over the bridge safely and we thought oh yeah you know we'll be fine we'll get the whole road to ourselves. how amazing cycled over it and, oh my god we had 80 mile an hour winds that I think until recently they were the strongest winds on record. I almost got blown off the Severn Bridge. So that's something I won't forget in a hurry. But um, yeah, when we got to Land's End, it was the most amazing feeling. And yeah, super proud of all the team. And we raised £50,000 for our chosen charities. So yeah, it was Fully worth time, fully worth nearly dying on the Severn Bridge. <laughs> Wowee. Um, so, Alan, did you say you did it in 12 days? I'm just thinking how, uh, the distance is, what, 400 miles or so? Yeah. Um, I've completely forgotten how long the distance is overall. Um, we basically averaged about 80 to 90 miles a day. My goodness, that's a lot. So you hardly got off your bike, I should think. Uh, we didn't. So it we broke it down quite strategically. It was... Breakfast, cycle 20 miles, stop for tea and cake, cycle 20 miles, stop for lunch, cycle 20 miles, stop for tea and cake, cycle 20 miles, get to the hotel. Um, it was a it was a massive feat, really. And to be honest, we couldn't have done it without our support crew who were like driving here, there and everywhere. There were um, there were 12 cyclists all together who were doing the 12 days straight. 
And um, yeah, by the time everyone got to the hotel in the evening, us and the support crew were just completely knackered. I think we were like walking zombies. <laughs> Good gracious. Oh, well, it's a, it's a real sort of um, experience anyway, um, which you probably don't want to do again. <laughs> to be fair, I finished I finished it and went, you know what, I would do that again. But actually now we're... Um, now we're a couple months, you know, even maybe six months. I can't remember how, what, I don't even know what date it is today, Clive. I've completely lost all sense of time. But yeah, the, now the more time's gone on, I've gone, maybe, maybe not. Like you forget how sore the saddle sore is. And yeah, <laughs> it's not, well, course, it's not pretty. For that sort of thing, you can get a special saddle made, which fits your rear end, of course. Yes, I didn't have that. <laughs> okay i mean i have a couple of friends who are, are now probably in just early 50s and over the last i suppose 15 years they've done they, they started off with a, a land's end to john o'groats trip for something and then they they did a, the biggest one they've done is actually cycled from london to paris yes yeah and that ends up you know literally doing like the tour de france thing where you cycle around the um on the champs Elysees at the end and they, they did that and um they just got into it and they just um, they do riding everywhere yeah i mean my uncle who was the big pusher for this cycle he he's done the london to paris cycle and he loved it and to be honest i wouldn't i wouldn't say no i mean the john o'groats land's end hasn't put me off doing other cycles i think i think if anyone's considering it at all you should definitely give it a go uh, cuz it's just it is an amazing experience and there's something so freeing about cycling in in the open elements um yeah I read I read loads of blogs and articles before I did the actual cycle just to try and I'm such I really like to prepare myself so if there's a hill coming I really like to know what hill it's going to be how steep we're talking so I can mentally prepare so I read all these blogs to try and work it out and this guy just written be careful it's addictive <laughs> and it's true like I've I've come home and you know I, I'd look at my bike quite longingly and the weather's been so rubbish that I haven't been able to get out that much and I'm just looking at it and going oh, one day I'll get back out on you and I have since the sun's been out recently I've been back out for a bike ride but um only about nine miles no 80 milers <laughs> Right. Okay. Well, that's fantastic. And and so you said you raised over fifty thousand pounds as well. Which uh, yeah. And can you, what what were the charities? Just for the record. Um. So the one that's associated with my dad is for WMUK, which is the cancer that he died of, and it's specifically for the Rory Morrison Registry, and that's um a system that they brought in place, um to really document and register what treatment people are getting and. It's just a really good system. And the, with the money we raised, we raised enough to keep that going for three years without any other further donations. So that was incredible. Um, and then the other charity was a mind charity for brain. Tra um, yeah, mind and the brain tumour trust, because uh, another family member had recently died of a brain tumour. So we raised money for them as well. Well, that's an amazing thing to do, I think, and um, jolly good for you and everybody else involved in that. That's fantastic. Thank you very much. Yeah, it was um, a very humbling experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think I'll pass on the cycle ride. I'm not sure I could do quite that distance anymore. <laughs> um, okay, now let's see. We, you, we talked about, <laughs> you we never talked about, know. Never say never. Well, that's true. My, my, my bike at the moment, actually sitting there, is in dire need of repair, but I can't take it to a repair shop because they're not open at the moment. Uh, anyway, look, um, uh, yeah. so, so now we've talked about your travel um, podcasts and can we just go back to that a minute? I mean, how many 
have you done and what sort of places have you done? You mentioned Greece. What other ones have you covered? Oh, now, now you're testing my memory, Clive. Um, I've listened I to one in, the, Al- the Algarve. I heard that one, so I know that you did that one. Yes, we've done the Algarve. We've done Greece. We've done South Africa. Where else have I done? Done Scotland, actually. Um, Scotland, That why was not? really interesting. Yeah, well, we, we ended up talking to a company that specialised in whiskey. And so this was like a come to Scotland, just embrace the weather and drink a whiskey whilst you're at it. So that was a good that was good fun to record. And um, where else have we been? I've got Thailand set to record. I've got the Basque Country set to record. Um, I've got another podcast coming out next week on cycling in the Algarve. Actually, um, we've started Low Season Traveller have a cycling tour available. And you can book it through the website and you go on this amazing cycle along the South Portugal coast. And that looks brilliant. Um, so, yeah, there's and it's not just me who records these podcasts as well. There's it's me and another girl who called Kate and she lives in Australia. And she, again, was approached by the company via LinkedIn, I think. And she specialised in travel. She did travel at university. And she records the other half of the podcast. So we, we tend to alternate. So she's done a load of podcasts as well. Um, so, yeah, we really do have a global team. It's quite amazing. Fantastic. Yes, I, mean, I know the Algarve quite well, and that's quite flat. So I'm sure that's quite good for cycling. Yeah, well, she seemed to suggest it wasn't that flat. Um, but again, it all de- I suppose it all depends on what kind of cycling you're used to and what your level of fitness is. Yeah, well, certainly some hills, but I mean, there's a sort of along the coastal area, it's pretty flat. Anyway, right. So the other thing I want to talk to you about is your other podcast is um, the one you do about uh, new music. And it's a very, it's quite a short one you're doing. And I'm not quite sure, are you doing it weekly? Yes, yes, I do it weekly. And it's this is like a massive passion project. This is eventually what I'd like to do as a career if, yeah, if I'd be so lucky. So I just look at new music, things that excite me, things that I've discovered, things that I think other people will love. And it's just a combination of highlighting these artists and these tracks and giving people a little bit of, you know, spreading some positivity. I think having immersed myself in the music industry for a couple of years now, you know, one thing that's really apparent is just how tough it is. And I think even speaking from the position of somebody that wants to get into broadcasting, it's incredibly competitive and it can be hard, and especially in lockdown, to continue to stay motivated and push yourself to come up with new ideas and just stay on, you know, stay on top of the game and be ready for when the doors open again. And, you know, I, I want I wanted these podcasts to kind of bring some positivity and for people who are maybe lose lacking that motivation or struggling or questioning how things are going to be it's just a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel and the the, I mean it's a massive learning curve that podcast if you listen to the first one compared to the one that I've just released they've changed so much and the format's changed a lot and it's just me basically working out my sound and my style and what I like and what I don't like and getting people involved and it's just been a real joy to create to be honest and it's really heavily linked to my Instagram and so I've built like a little community already and people listen and comment and I've now got people suggesting their own songs to play at the end to leave people on a feel-good vibe and it's yeah it's just it's basically just a massive podcast of positivity and 
it makes me feel happy and I hope it, that kind of transpires to other people. Yeah, I think um, if I could just say short of perhaps running a pub, you've chosen two things to get involved in, which are um, obviously been really affected by the pandemic and so on. I mean, clearly travel (laughs) is is not been possible. And also music. I mean, I I know quite a few people in the music and theatre world. And of course, they are just so depressed because they've just had nothing to do for the whole year. Um, And, um, you know, the, uh, the sort of likelihood is they'll be able to get back doing some things but it's pretty bad and obviously here locally in St Albans I mean the number of local music venues which are all pubs largely um, have had a real bad time of course they've been closed nearly all the time apart from a little bit last summer and um, local musicians and so on have really had a really bad time indeed yeah just haven't felt they've got any way of doing things because they they typically do live performances yeah exactly I mean it's really tragic um, for the fact that so little money's been put towards people like this. I mean, I was lucky enough a couple of years ago now to get some work experience at EMI Records as part of their television and radio promotions team. And I keep in contact with the guys there and they were saying how members of, you know, quite high profile bands are having to get jobs in supermarkets, stacking shelves just to make ends meet because it's gone from everything to nothing. And that's not, you know, they've got no income or they certainly didn't at the beginning of the pandemic. People are starting to find ways around it now, aren't they? And and hopefully the end is in sight. That is, you know, we are nearing the end very like of this period, hopefully. But yeah, like you said, it's just been incredibly tough and um yeah so I thought if there's any way that I can help showcase newbies and yeah just keep people engaged and interested then it was fully worth doing right and um your podcast what's that one called that's the it's called morning cuppa podcast morning cuppa that's right and it's on spotify I believe isn't it it is yeah um I struck <laughs> I struggled to get round uh, licensing so playing full tracks is quite difficult and Spotify have come up with a, a kind of a podcast it's like an attachment to Spotify and if you publish your podcast on Spotify they'll allow you to link to the song so you actually the listener will actually stream the artist's song and then it will come back to your audio cutting in so you can't do any nice transitions or fades as if you were on the radio but I mean again it's like that virtuous circle so not only are people listening to the podcast the artist is also getting streams which will inevitably help their career so it's a, it's a really nice virtuous circle yeah because some of the musicians of course we know very well-known people have done things during the pandemic which are amazing i mean taylor swift produced two complete new albums yeah um, and I don't think she had an army of people helping her at least that's not the, the story she's telling it's like she did it all at home by herself <laughs> I'm sure she's yeah I mean I'm sure she has help but maybe afterwards maybe she writes it all down and sings it and puts it on a recording and then sends it off to people to see what they think and then they probably work together on the finished product but you never know you're not there are you not in the room absolutely no I'm sure it's right anyway okay well look um honestly this has really been very interesting and thank you for talking about all these uh things um no problem, and thank you for having wish, me. Well, I hope you, you can do them again, because I'm sure there's many more things we could talk about. Yes, I mean, I can talk for days. <laughs> do you know, I got the idea of that, yes. <laughs> well, it's one of those skills that you obviously need to be a broadcaster, isn't it? 
Yes. Yes, it's absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that sort of thing. I'm always open to listening to new music. So if anybody is listening to this podcast wants to send me their demos or their songs, they can find me at Honor Morrison on Instagram and I'll happily listen and if it's if I like the sound of it then I'll happily play it on the podcast. Well, that's good. Well, there's an offer for everyone. Um so okay. So anyway, this is the Generation Gap show here on Radio Verulam and uh, we're me Clive today talking to Honor Morrison and um, she's uh, obviously a really busy person I mean actually it's one of those things a lot of people have said they've been bored sick and just been watching sort of Netflix all day and this sort of thing and I think that's um, not my experience either I've been rather busy doing things like podcasts as you have um, but um, so how do you feel for the future you, you're going to be hoping presumably to do a lot of traveling yeah I mean my thoughts towards the future have been so up and down throughout this entire pandemic because I was pulled out of uni quite you know dramatically like everybody else was and that was my final year and I was just plunged into unemployment and that was quite terrifying and um, like I said it's been quite hard to keep motivated but I mean when you put it like that I have been really busy and I'm just one of those people that's kind of naturally busy I can always find something to do and the more we're nearing the end of lockdown the more I'm seeing the music industry open back up again and loads of loads of jobs have started to be advertised so I'm actually feeling incredibly hopeful for the future and really excited and like you said hopefully it involves travel hopefully it involves uh, broadcasting and doing some more radio and more podcasting and yeah anything I can get my hands of and just leaving the house would be really nice um at this point I'll take anything <laughs> <laughs> okay that's great well and um so let's see we'll obviously um we'll see how it goes in the future and um I'm sure we can certainly have to another one of these podcasts I I'm trying to get back into them I haven't done them much since Christmas for various reasons but mainly it's because people I've been doing the podcast with have all suddenly gone and got full-time jobs and they haven't got time to do anything else oh, so selfish so, I know it's terrible isn't it yeah yeah okay well someone who's already got a job doing podcasts well that's obviously something that you can uh, help out on okay well look thanks very much for this and um so I hope we'll uh, speak again soon. Yeah. And um, so anyway, just to remind everyone, you can uh, listen to Radio Verulam podcasts on uh, our website, which is uh, com slash podcasts. Easy to remember, I hope. And um, we've got... Th- hundreds and hundreds of them these days i think it's about 1500 last time i looked and so there's any number of things you can listen to and um don't forget of course you can listen to radio very all the time on 92.6 fm thanks very much thank you